Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Do you have a source of peace and security and well-being within you that can that can bring you back to who you really are, no matter what's been going on for you and no matter how long it's been going on and no matter uh, what you've been told, that that exists at the heart of your being. Oh, you lovely bunch. This is such a special episode this week. We've got Jamie Smart with us and um, Jamie's one of my mentors, a friend and also a kick-ass author who is, has a he's just got a way with words that are amazing and I've never met anybody that can explain the principles as first seen by Sydney Banks with more clarity than uh, than Jamie it's uh it's just such a privilege to have him on the show it's been a long time coming and I won't waffle on too much because uh, I kind of do a bit of that at the beginning but um this is one not to be missed this is one to share and uh, Jamie's got some awesome things to share with you as well so um that's it really without further ado I'll hand you over to me Ellie and Jamie, we're going to talk all things principles, all things clarity, all things setting yourself free. See you there. Oh, team, this is this is a special one today. It's been a long time coming. We've got Mr. Jamie Smart with us. And um, if anyone who knows me or my coaching, um, Jamie's had such a profound impact on me. He's a uh, Sunday Times bestselling author, a speaker, a coach. And also one of my mentors and a good friend. So, man, thank you so much for being here and coming and having this conversation. Oh, it's a huge pleasure. I've really been looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. So um, I think it's probably about getting on for two years ago that I first stumbled across kind of your your stuff as such. I was at your book, the first edition, Clarity, and we're going to talk about the second edition that's just come out. It pretty much jumped off a shelf at me. And I didn't know it was, uh, you know, the principles behind Clarity, which you talk about in the book, I didn't know that it was a principles-based book. And I had mm. been touched by the work of Sid- Sydney Banks a couple of years before, and it had been simmering in the background. And I'd been planning to kind of uh, to re-enter. And then this, I had no idea. And then there it was. And it, you know, a sign of a nice wink from the universe. Um, so yeah, you know, we, you're a wizard of language, man. You've really, really woken me up a lot. And for anyone that's been touched my, by my coaching, there's a, uh, you know, a debt of gratitude from me and also um, from them, I'm sure. So thank you so much for that. And uh yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation, dude. Yeah, it's a huge pleasure to be working with you, Sam. And it's great to meet Ellie. And yeah, I'm just really glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you again, just from me. It's, you know, there's kind of, from um, my experiences before Jamie and after Jamie and working with Sam, and it's just what he was saying there about how you have touched so many people that you're not even aware of. It's it's so true. And um, this is a really special and auspicious moment for me so thank you nice thanks cool man well dude we're going to make sure you've got loads of time to talk about you know second edition of clarity has just come out you've got some really cool things in the pipeline um so feel free to mention that whenever makes sense to you but we'd love to have a conversation about uh you know a lot of our audience they're kind of on the alcohol free journey or dipping their toe in and mm. they'll um yeah i think it would be really awesome if you could share a bit about your background in that kind of uh in that realm, because I know that you've got personal experience yeah. of this. 
Well, yeah. So I used to be really, really stressed and anxious and pretty, pretty uh, used to struggle kind of emotionally, just kind of an anxious kid. And then when I was 12, I found something amazing, which was alcohol. And it was like, oh, where have you been all my life? It was like suddenly I here's the funny thing. It would it felt like it was just OK to be me. And it was uh, like I've heard people describe it as like they it, it was sort of like they were born a couple of pints short. And and that's how I kind of felt. And so uh, I started drinking when I was 12. I wasn't very good at it. Uh, so I would, you know, fall over and get sick and all that kind of stuff. I just made up my mind to get better at it, uh, which I didn't. Um, and by the time I was kind of 19 or 20, I was trying to stop drinking and and I couldn't. Or it sort of sort of wanted to, sort of didn't, all that kind of thing. It mixed emotions. And then, um, but the funny thing is, like, I was what they call a functional alcoholic. So I had, a, you know, a career and all that sort of stuff. And I got married and uh, my wife was ready to leave a couple of months later because of the drinking. And so I said, well, don't worry, baby, I'll go get sober. So I... I uh, um, went into recovery and I quickly determined, you know, these people were all obsessed with alcohol. That wasn't going to be for me. And so I tried doing it myself. And after nine months without a drink, I was ready to kill myself. I was so miserable. And I thought, well, it can't be anything to do with the drinking because I haven't had a drink in nine months and I'm worse than ever. Well, what I didn't know then that, that I know now, or here's how I see it is, where I was at is that alcohol was medication for a thinking problem, an emotion problem, a, a misunderstanding of uh, life and of who we are and of what we got going for us. And so I ended up getting into recovery. And it's kind of interesting, actually. My first couple of months in recovery, I can't remember exactly how long, I, I I would go to these meetings and I would hear everyone telling their story and how grateful they were to not be drinking and stuff. And I was like, well, that ain't me. I miss the stuff. I'm not grateful. I'm, I'm kind of struggling along. But I could see how it would work for them, right? Like they'd had terrible lives and they'd stopped drinking and life had got better. And like, it was like, it seemed to be working great for them. But I thought like, my case is different. This, I, I, I had really, really good, well thought out reasons why this wasn't going to work for me. And then one day I'm sitting there in this church hall on a uh, Sunday afternoon and I had an insight. Now I didn't know then that it was an insight. I was just kind of relaxed and listening to these people telling stories about drinking, which I loved listening to. And, uh, and I, I had this insight and the insight was I suddenly thought, even though you've determined that this can't work for you, and you're definitely right, maybe it could work for you anyway. Maybe there's something you've missed. Maybe, maybe it could work for you anyway. And I suddenly had hope, like up till that point, I basically had either I could drink and I was probably going to end up divorced and uh, in an early grave and that sort of thing, 
or I could not drink and life would kind of suck and be boring and miserable forever, one day at a time. And they seemed like really, really rubbish options. And I suddenly thought, oh, maybe it could work anyway. Maybe there's a different life that you don't even know yet, that you don't even understand yet. Like I, I didn't even, I, I, I wasn't even putting it into those words. It was just more like this feeling of, even though you know everything, maybe there's hope anyway. And and that was that one insight, which I wasn't even looking for, right? That opened a door to recovery, that opened a door to a new life, that opened a door to work that I love, to uh, experiencing more love and connection in the average day than I used to, in the average week, in the average year even. Um, and so, yeah, that was, but here's the other thing that introduced me to spirituality and psychology and things, which I'd not really had any interest in up until then. I kind of thought they were hippie nonsense. Uh, and I ended up uh, building, uh, I ended up, it's so interesting. There are things you can do when you're drinking that you can't do when you're not drinking and vice versa. So when I was drinking, I could do this work that I found profoundly stressful and unsatisfying and that sort of thing. Uh, running these big complex projects that was, you know, working crazy hours and all that sort of stuff. You get sober, it's like, oh, there's something else for you. There's something else for you. And I didn't know what it was. And so... I'm, you know, wondering about that. I go on a training course one day and I realize two things. First thing I realize is, oh, you can do whatever you, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you put your mind to. You don't know how it's going to work out, but you can have a go. Because up till that point, it had kind of seemed to me like my life was running on rails that had been kind of set out. It was like life was something that was happening to me. And I suddenly saw, oh, You've been creating, you've been playing a creative part in this all along and you didn't even realize it. I was like, oh, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's like, well, if I've been creating it and I didn't even know it, then I could do a different, I did different. So I quit my job a couple of weeks later. Don't try this at home. I don't recommend that, but <laughs> quit my job a couple of weeks later. Um, but the second insight I had that weekend was, I want to do this. I want to be a because I saw someone training and coaching people, you know, group of about 100 people. I was like, I want to do that. But I had a problem, which is I was terrified of public speaking. But I was like, OK, well, I'll, I'll just get that figured out. But I knew what I wanted to do. And that's <clears throat> kind of that trajectory that started a long time ago. I mean, clearly, I've been somewhere a long time. That's kind of what brings us to today. It's, it's amazing to hear. Yeah. That thing you said about life being on rails. I, I felt so like that. I was just like, yeah, I'm a career person. I had no idea that I was going to be entrepreneurial or any of that stuff. It was like, it wasn't even there. It wasn't a part of the map. Or if someone had said that to me, I'd been like, what are you on about? Like, I do yeah. not know what you're on about. And I think for so many of our listeners, and I, I know for me and Elliot, it's been our story as well. The idea that there's whole areas or ways of being and exploring that you just don't even know are there is mm. so, and you don't have to know, but you just need to know, hmm, I'm trying to think how to, if you can just open to the idea that even though you can't see it doesn't mean it, it's like not there. 
it doesn't doesn't mean that it's not possible for you then incredible mm. things can start happening yeah yeah i really like that and and it's so funny too because even i don't know even even 10 15 years ago i thought that i was very open minded but it turns out i was open minded to things that i was open minded about yeah. everything else i still <laughs> thought was nonsense and it's funny so i i I grew a, a you know a, a psychology and personal development education business and did that for uh, ten years and then in two thousand and nine I stumbled across the principles that I I call the principles behind clarity the the three principles uncovered by Sydney Banks and I had three realizations which really really made a big difference to me the first was I realized oh everything you've been looking for outside of you is already there within you. Well, we've all heard that, right? Like I read that a hundred times in spiritual books and that sort of thing. But it, suddenly I knew it and it's like, oh, that immediately reorganized my kind of list of goals and objectives. But the second thing I realized was, oh, the fact that a person can even see or hear or feel means they have the source of resilience, peace of mind, well-being, uh, mental health. It's already there within you, you know, that, that there's and and it can't be damaged in any way. And I went from that being a nice idea to knowing it like I know my own name. And all of a sudden. I just became so much more hopeful for all my clients. So I'd love everyone listening to this to know that 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 you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You may have some funny ideas about things. I know I do. And you may have some. Uh, some ideas about life and the world and how your mind works that may be getting in your way at the moment, but there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with you, no matter what you've been told, no matter what you may have been diagnosed with or anything like that, you work perfectly. And that's really, I think that's worth everyone knowing because I'm not, this isn't personal and it's not positive thinking either. I'm not saying, you know, you, know, you can do it, champ. It's like, this is true of everyone on the planet by nature of what we're made of and how we're made. It's just wonderful to hear um, a little bit about your story and how you talk about the realizations that you've had. And I'm just, I'm really interested in, because you, you said about that moment in, uh, in, in the AA meeting where you weren't looking for that insight you you were still and it came and i'm just i'm really interested in your perspective on how these insights come to us and when they come mm -hmm. to us yeah wow i'm interested in that too like it's a question that i've asked literally thousands of people all over the world i've asked everyone from uh, corporate CEOs to prison inmates to military personnel to therapists to uh, people starting families to every everyone you can think of alcoholics and addicts when do you get your best ideas and the answers are always the same it's in the shower when I'm out for a walk when I'm driving to and from work when I'm on holiday when I'm just about to drift off to sleep and Ellie, how, how it looks to me is that that capacity for insight, which is just a, a fancy word for a fresh new thought, like so for so many of us, the thoughts that we're 
engaging with on a day-to-day basis are things we've thunk a thousand times. Like they're, they're in my case, the ones that really get my attention, they're like on the speed cycle. And, uh, and, and so insight realization is fresh, new perceptual reality. And where does it come from? Well, well, we've got a built-in capacity for that. So if you if you roll it back for a second, when when we were born, when each of us were born, we had a bunch of stuff that we came kind of preloaded with. So we came preloaded with senses, but we also came preloaded with the capacity to use them. No one had to ta- teach you how to see. Uh, you came preloaded with the capacity to use your senses. And you, you know, learned to walk and learned about the principle of gravity and all kinds of things in the early years of life. And as you learned about the world, you had insights, you had realizations that updated your model of reality to bring it more closely into alignment with reality. And every human being as a, you know, we couldn't walk or talk or or differentiate between a duck and a fire truck if we didn't have that innate capacity. It's what we view. It's the the kind of the raw learning material we've used to to create our understanding of the world that allows us to navigate life. So it's in everyone. We've all got it, and that the purpose the evolutionary purpose now i'm i'm going off piece here because i i this is how i see it the evolutionary purpose of that capacity for insight is to bring our perceptions more closely into reality as it is today because if you stop and think about it reality is dynamic like it's changing like if if you you know the the world ain't the same as it was uh 20 years ago but it's not the same as it was five minutes ago and so uh, and but that's not just true in the fast-moving 21st century. That's always been true that that we live in a dynamic environment, and so there's huge evolutionary value for us as organisms in being able to stay abreast of of where reality is. And so, our, on the one hand, it's really useful for us to create a model of reality for practical purposes, whatever we think of as reality and relate to that as so it's as though it's real, right? That's useful for us. Like if we couldn't do that, it would be hard to walk out the front door, right? So it's useful to be able to have a bunch of certainty about what's real and what's not. So that's good. But it's also useful for that to be updated, right? And that's what the capacity for insight does. It helps us create a perceptual reality. It also helps us update that perceptual reality. And it's there in everyone. And what we find again and again and again is that those insights come kind of when we're not looking for them, kind of when our our mind is uh, relaxed uh, or or in in a state where uh, it's just more open to those kind of things popping in. Some people call them light bulb moments or aha moments and that sort of thing. It, it's it's amazing. What came to me as you were talking, man, was the um, the implications that has for say finding freedom from alcohol because the map, the percept, the kind of perceptual reality or map that you have of alcohol and how it works is kind of programmed and fixed until it isn't. 
And so I think a lot mm. of people think that it's alcohol that needs to kind of change, but ultimately, you know, it's a liquid in a bottle. It's a, mm. it's what's going to shift is you, what's going to change is your map. And so when that happens, because that, that's thought generated, because that's coming through you, you know, it can, it can change in an instant. And even if it's taking you a long time to fuck yourself up, it doesn't mean it's going to take you that long to kind of step into a new world that can happen in a moment. Right. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And, and like my, my take on it is that, uh, alcohol or, or, you know, drugs, if people are, uh, using drugs or, or, but the funny thing about us human beings is we could, we appear to be able to get addicted to pretty much anything. Uh, and, and the thing about it is it, whatever we, whatever we're using, whether it's, um, alcohol or tobacco or cutting or whatever it might be it's the thing we've found at a certain level of understanding that makes sense to either uh change the way we feel or give us a certain uh sense of freedom or whatever it might be so that's that's a you could you could call it it's a it's a, a tool or a solution or a uh uh a technique that we're using that makes sense at a current level of understanding. So it's kind of interesting when I work with people around addiction, uh, typically they're kind of going, they, they've got this thing and they go, oh, I know I shouldn't drink or whatever it might be, but sometimes I really want to, but I know I shouldn't. And they're kind of asking me, help me gang up on the part of me that wants to drink so I can, so I can kind of uh, stop it doing it. And my come from is like, that has made sense at your current level of understanding. And it's possible to live in a world where it just doesn't make sense anymore. Where it's not like you're having to control it or anything like that. It just doesn't make sense anymore. And so my assertion is that the place from where they are now to the place where they're in a world where it doesn't make sense anymore to drink or use or whatever it might be, is going to be that insight. It's going to be a realization, a deeper realization into how their experience is being created and into who they really are. Because, you know, we've all grown up with various ideas of who we are. And it looks to me like a lot of the things that people do to try and find relief of one sort or another are kind of a remedy to those ideas we've taken on about who we really are. So, so this capacity for insight can allow us realizations that bring us closer to the truth about how our experience is being created and who we really are. And it turns out that that, that turns out to be good news. It sure is. And I know that for me, I mean, I felt free, but the last two years, it's like, there was sort of, I think thinking that I didn't know was there. There were, there was stuff that's just fallen away, misunderstandings that have fallen away to a, to a, just a profound level. And just, uh, yeah, like the idea that I would ever want to imbibe something that's gonna block my joy these days seems wild to me like i can see that it's possible to get pleasure from like chocolate cake or whatever it might be but it just looks to me that joy is uncaused it looks unconditional it's coming from within us it's not we're not pouring that into us it's coming through us and i wouldn't trade that for anything i wouldn't trade that for anything and like when you said before man about like everything you thought, you know, alcohol gives you is, is inside of you. It's like, yeah, and a whole lot more and a whole lot more that you it, alcohol pales in significance to the beauty of 
just touching those innate states of peace and well-being and clarity that you write so beautifully about. Yeah, and it's funny because I remember when I was still drinking, if someone were to tell me about all the all the wonderful things that are available, if they were to kind of show me the brochure for how wonderful life could be without uh, without alcohol, I'd look at it and I'd be like, that's that boring fucking place that I'm not interested in. Because it because the the thing yeah. that can't be conveyed in the words or the uh the you know the brochure or whatever is the only thing that really matters which is the the experience we're living in you know i think the reason uh the reason people drink or use or whatever is to change the experience they're living in to ha- to be living in a a different experience maybe it's a better experience in terms of it feels better or maybe it's a just a block it out experience uh, but it, the, the purpose of the these behaviors is to to change the experience we're living in to live in a better experience for life and the thing that that uh looks really hopeful to me is that there are profoundly beautiful what i want to want everyone to know is there are profoundly beautiful experiences of life that you will actually like, like you will like these, these will be good. And they're available be- as a function of your being, they're, they're your uh, inheritance as a human being, like it's built into you. And it doesn't even have to be hard work to discover them. All it takes is a little bit of willingness to see something new. Yeah. Dude, In um, you just reminded me in Clarity, you talk about you're going to have to, I might not get this wrong, but I might jumble it up. So you'll have to help me if I do. You talk about how very often using alcohol or drugs or chocolate cake or whatever it is, right, is a is an attempt to medicate against the misunderstanding that what we're feeling is a material reality. We're feeling the, and you say that, you know, it's not, it's a, it's a thought generated reality. It's a, it's mm. different. It's not that. Could you expand a bit? Because I think sometimes really get caught on the distinction between thought and thinking. And I think that would be really helpful for people to hear. Yeah, well, and and stop me if I'm going too big chunk on it. But the first thing that I found really helpful to understand this is, you know, it seems to us as human beings, like, we're kind of in our inside our bodies looking out through windows in our skull at a world out there, right? And that's how it seems to me. Like I'm sitting here and for practical purposes, I'm looking out through my eyes and I can see you guys and that sort of thing. But the neurologists tell us that, no, that's not what's going on. What's going on is your your eyes and your ears, your senses are like data ports and data, massive amounts, like millions of bytes per second of data are pouring into your system. And then your deeper neurophysiological and psychological properties basically take a guess and say, what kind of world do I think I'm in based on this data? And then they create a 3D virtual reality projection of that. Now, I'm not saying there's no reality, you're walking around in a virtual reality, but your experience of reality is being created from within based on data. 
it'll be, you know, updated or adjusted. So we've all had the experience, right? Or maybe it's just me, but where you're walking down the street and you see your friend and you start waving to them and then they get a little closer and you realize it's not them. And you're kind of like, they, that it's not like you went, oh, you know what? There's a 50% chance that that's Jimmy. I'm going to start waving like an idiot. No, you saw Jimmy. And then when he got a little closer, you're like, that's not fucking Jimmy. <laughs> like, and your your brain just went, oops. And 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 that was that. But so because remember, our brain is uh it we're we're creating this reality that looks real enough to hang out in, right? Like the, so a perceptual reality. So that's going on all the time, moment to moment, so fast we don't even know that it's happening, right? But that is what's happening. Neurologically, that's what's happening. So so this, what I call the power of thought, which is really just the, the paintbrush that's creating that whole experiential reality, including the, the felt tone of it and everything, that's happening real time, moment to moment to moment. And so that's what we're walking around in. And it often looks like there's more to it than that. Like my assertion is that our feeling, we're feeling the totality of that thought generated perceptual reality moment to moment to moment so that thought and feeling are one thing now, i'm not talking about the thoughts that are running through your head like that's that's that comes and goes that's part of it but that's like the tip of the iceberg most of it's stuff that not only are we not aware of but you don't even want to be aware of like you you don't want to be aware of the totality of perceptual material that's being used to build your reality in every moment you would just want to be able to hang out in reality right and so we've got this built-in uh signal that lets us know what kind of reality we're hanging out in and that's our feelings and just the signal to let us know are we in a peaceful reality or are we in a angry reality or are we in a sad reality or are we in a stressed reality and uh my friend dr bill pettit he's a psychiatrist who's been working with these principles for the last 40 years with all people with all kinds of different challenges and that sort of thing and his late wife said to him uh, oh this understanding is really simple isn't it you're either in your thinking or you're in your life and to me anyway, our feelings are often a signal that we've got caught up in believing we're experiencing something other than thinking, mm. believing that we're feeling what our boss told us or uh, that talk we've got to give or what that guy said to me last week or what's going to happen about this or that or the other. Well, that's when we're, we're in our thinking and, and that signal, that tension is pointing us back to being in our lives. Yeah, and it's, I think, being in our lives, I think to many people, they think, God, that's the one place where I can't be. I can't fucking be there with all this shit. Um, because I think for many of us, we've been, we're in like an emotion phobic culture or society that's mm -hmm. kind of led us to believe that we, um, that we can't cope with, grief or or and it, and we I know mean, I, we talk a lot on the on the podcast man about how this is not positive negative good bad stuff you know there are emotions mm -hmm. that are 
heavy on the central nervous system. They're more dysregulating. There are emotions that feel lighter. There's different experiences, but they're all divine. They're all beautiful. They're all part of the system. And, you know, as a human, when we love, we're going to lose things and we're going to grieve. We can't mm. escape that. And if we're innocently under the belief that we can't allow grief to move through our system, then we'll hold it back. And that, in my mm. experience, is what messes us up. So I don't know if you've got anything you could expand on there, but yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. And it's funny, there's a, there's a quote I love by a 12th century saint called Saint Irenaeus, who said, uh, joy is the human being fully alive. Mm. You know, I, I remember when I, I first uh, went into recovery, people used to say, keep coming back, you'll feel better. And and uh, someone then said, yeah, we don't say it like here, that here. We say, keep coming back. You'll feel better. You'll feel everything better. Mm-hmm. And and that's been my experience. Like a lot of times I was, uh, well, trying to change the way I felt because the way I felt was really uncomfortable. But the, the bottom line of it was I didn't think I could handle it. I didn't think I could handle it if this happened or that happened or I felt this way or that sort of thing. And and it turns out we can handle it. Like we're built for reality. Like the fact that we're even here means we've come from a long line over millions of years of creatures who have survived until breeding age and managed to pass on their genetic material and do it again. Like that's happened millions of times. So we're built for this planet. We're built for reality. And we've got this amazing system that we're that we're born with to be able to have an experience of life and to to be signaled when we're kind of uh, veering off track. It's it's interesting. I, I was interviewing uh, Bill the other day, uh, Bill Pettit, who I mentioned, and he makes the point, which I think is brilliant, that. You know, in in nature, creatures go into fight or flight uh, and can do that to avoid predators and danger and that sort of thing. And they can do that with no negative side effects up to 30 minutes a day. And for most creatures, 30 minutes worth of fight or flight a day is plenty to keep them out of danger. But as soon as we go into fight or flight for long periods of time, like for hours on end, days on end or weeks on end, that has a negative side effect. Well, I see lots of people kind of living in fight or flight uh, because of something that's going on in their head, because of some because of a something that they don't realize is coming from within. Hmm. Yeah. Well, dude, for anyone who's listening and thinking, yeah, that's me. That's me. What would um, what would you love them to know? What would, what would your invitation to them be? Yeah, what a beautiful question. I what I would love them to know, for starters, is that you have reason to be hopeful, and the reason you have reason to be hopeful is because you have a source of peace and security and well-being within you that can that can bring you back to who you really are no matter what's been going on for you and no matter how long it's been going on and no matter 
what you've been told that that exists at the heart of your being. And the cool thing is you can learn about it. Like that's why I write my books. That's why I teach my stuff. This is, I'm, I'm not even saying take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Just look for yourself. Mm. Kind of reminds me of those magic eye diagrams they had in the nineties. I don't know if you remember those, but you'd, you'd look at them and they're kind of like a digitally generated repeating pattern. But if you look at them with a soft open gaze, you suddenly dolphins or tubas or whatever come looking <laughs> off the page at you um and uh this is kind of like that it's there to be seen it's there to be seen and even if you've tried before and you couldn't see it it's there to be seen there's something there that not only can bring you back to peace and well-being and resilience but it also can bring you back to the source of the answers to whatever challenges you might face because we each have a source of wisdom and intuition and guidance within us that can point us in the right direction and to help us uh deal with the challenges that come our way in life because you know for all of us we're gonna have challenges of one sort or another in life that's uh that's part of the game of life i guess but you have a built-in guidance system that can allow you to navigate those elegantly and uh, and yeah, live a beautiful life. Yeah, I'm reminded by that amazing Sid quote. You know, if the only thing that people learned was not to be afraid of their experience, that would uh, that alone would change the world. Yeah, and I just think about in the world of someone who's been for whom it's made sense to to drink and because they are afraid of their experience to step into that new world is uh well i think from all of us i'm sure you know we can all speak from the heart and just say you know it's it's a beautiful direction to be looking and um i just know man i just know that people are going to want to have a look and explore a lot of the things that you do so tell us a bit about because you know i was so excited to read the second edition of clarity because the first one blew the doors off for me like I don't I, i'm excited that someone has read the second edition of clarity <laughs> and i love meeting a reader <laughs> it's right here i'm sure i'm sure there's many many more people that have man i know there are um what was that you said something in, in one of the groups we were in a few i think a couple of months back you said you'd had a a really profound insight and you had to go back and you had to kind of like make sure that was in the book. So what was the, what did you see that you you felt was missing that you wanted to explore? Well, it, it's kind of interesting. So I wrote the first book, Clarity, 10 years ago. And, and when I started writing it, I was two years into my journey with this understanding. Now, two years in, it had changed my life profoundly. Like I, 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 uh, if even if I saw nothing else after those two years, I'm a satisfied customer. Like it had such a profound impact on my life and my work with clients. So I was delighted. And I'd see I'd seen things that had transformed my life. And then I could put kind of that much of it into words. And so mm -hmm. clarity was my best shot at putting what I'd learned so far into words. And and I'm very happy with the book, but looking at it 10 years later. I've just I've I've had 10 more years to road test this in my own life, to road test it with clients, to try it with different situations, to do case study follow ups. And the thing that I'd, I'd seen it when I first wrote the book, but I couldn't talk about it uh, in as as clearly as I can now is about who you really are. 
because the thing is, was, uh, can I tell you my favorite metaphor for this? So my girlfriend's got a little dog called Jack and Jack every night when it got dark would run towards the, the uh, French windows, the glass windows, because he'd see his reflection in the windows. He'd go running towards them, barking, and he'd leap into the air and attack this dog that he saw reflected in the window. And I'd laugh every time going, he doesn't realize that that's him. And then, then one day I realized, oh, that's not him. That's an image of him from 20 feet away and then 10 feet away and then three feet away and then two feet away. But who he is to himself is who he is from zero millimeters away. And I realized there's, the, there's this famous psychology test called the Rouge test. What they do is they take little kids, I don't know, six to 12 months, maybe 18 months, and they sit them in front of a mirror and then they cover the mirror and, and the kid will be pointing at the mirror going, oh, baby, and that sort of thing. And they cover the mirror, put a blot of rouge on the kid's cheek and lift up the cover. And up until a certain age, can't remember when it is, maybe a year, something like that, the child is non-reactive. They just kind of, oh, baby, baby. But after a certain age, the child goes, oh, and they notice because they've identified with that image, okay? Up until that point, they don't have a third person perspective on themselves. But here's what happens. Once we get that third person perspective on ourselves, we get hypnotized by our own neurology into believing that that's who we really are. That who we are is that. And the thing is, if you believe that that's who you really are, well, then that's, you know, this body that's aging and our our ideas about ourselves, which some days can be terrific and some days can be, oh, my God, why do I even bother? Like it's that's the world of the relative, right? Like it's changing all the time. But my assertion is that who you really are is not changing. Who you really are is a constant. Who you really are is that source of wisdom and intelligence and peace and mental health and well-being and creativity and beauty. That's who you really are. And that's who you've always been. And that's who you always will be, no matter who you think you are. You know, we 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 have all kinds of ideas about ourselves. That's who we think we are. But who you really are is the one who's experiencing us, is the one who's perceiving us, is the one who's creating the experience of those. And so that's the perspective that made it more richly into the book this time around. We've got, you know, additional research at the end of each chapter, including peer-reviewed research and that sort of thing that you can read around to kind of get a, a clearer picture of this understanding and bringing it into your own life. And, uh, done follow-up case studies. There's a, a new chapter at the end of the book with 10 of the most common kind of issues people uh, get diagnosed with or struggle with. So things like PTSD, uh, burnout, depression, things like that. But also some of the, the things people aspire to like goals and career change and that sort of thing. So we've got a section on each of those with uh, an explanation of it from a principal's perspective and then a case study with someone. So uh, so that that's what's new in the new edition of the book. Um, and yeah, just 10 years worth of insights to see even more clearly in my own life and with my clients how this works. Well, I am so, I'm so glad you heard the call um, or whatever 
However, the knock came to do that. Yeah, however that came through, I'm uh, very, I'm very <laughs> glad I did too. Yeah, man, it's it's you're so good at pointing, and I know that, you know, the finger is, you know, the word or the pointer. It's not it. It's not what it's pointing at. Mm. What 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 lays behind that is um, something that words as beautiful as they are could never possibly do justice to because it's uh, the energy behind life, which is uh, mm. kind of hard hard to sum up in words, but um. You know, it's something to leave people with. The one thing that re- one other thing that really stands out to me about your work, man, is your, you know, your phrase subtractive psychology and your coining of that. And the because I think so many people are running on the questions of how do I live with more peace? How do I live with more mm. fill the blank? And to know that it's no, 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 the the you know, the powerful, beautiful question is like what's getting in the way of feeling what's already yours, it's owned. You don't have to buy this, mm. it's it's yours. And um how did that phrase come, man? Was that something that just you just saw, or what happened? Well, it's it came from two places. Um, uh, the I was I I've I've always been trying to find what's a way that I could talk about this that people will kind of get and be easy to remember and that sort of thing. And uh, so I uh, there's a a book called Positioning: The Battle for Your Mind, which is a marketing book. And they talk about the genius move by Seven Up of create. They in, uh, instead of uh, because the top two players in the soft drink game were Coke and uh, Pepsi, and so they marketed themselves as the Uncola and immediately slid into third place in people's minds. So they positioned relative to that. So I was exploring Nassim Taleb's work. He wrote a wonderful book called Anti Fragile which I just love. And it's uh, uh, basically the, I, it's, it's kind of the, the, a more scientific explanation of uh, Nietzsche's phrase that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, so anti-fragile is one of my favorite books. And I was reading that and he, he makes the point in it that the, a point that I've often made actually, that if you look at uh, if you go into a, a bookstore, you'll see lots of magazines saying five top tips to get six pack abs or to have great sex or to uh, or to stop drinking or to lose weight or gain weight, whatever it might be, find a partner or whatever it might be. It's always five or six or seven top tips. And, and you read them and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, why didn't I think of that? And then they're instantly forgettable because they don't actually make a difference in your life. And what Taleb said is the things that make a difference are subtractive. It's what you're not doing. It's not what you are doing. And then I was like, boom, subtractive psychology, because people have so much on their minds. So what what this is and what clarity is about is a simple understanding that takes things off your mind automatically. So you have the peace, the freedom, the confidence, the creativity, and the resilience to Uh, do what you need to do and enjoy your life. Awesome. Awesome. So dude, like how for anyone who, you know, what's coming up, like tell us about the book where people can find stuff, the links, all the exciting stuff, you know, fill us, fill us in, tell us about all the cool stuff. Well, the book is uh, Clarity, Clear Mind, Better Performance, Bigger Results, available at fine bookshops near you. It's being featured in WH Smith's travel shops at the moment, the ones in airports and train stations and stuff. Um, We've got an event coming up on the 11th and 12th of March called the Clarity Coaching Experience. And the idea of that is, so people can have an experience of this. So if people are listening to this going, 
sounds like that guy might be onto something, but I really don't know. Uh, I'm, the Clarity Coaching experience is, is a chance to dive deeper into it and experience it for yourself. And what we're doing is we're saying that for anyone who gets the book and then posts on social about a, a difference it's made to them, they can have a free ticket to the Clarity Coaching experience. So go to jamiesmart.com forward slash get clarity. Uh, tag me in the post and put hashtag get clarity. But you do that, you basically at that at that link, jamiesmart.com forward slash get clarity, you can register for the event. And once you've posted your thing, we'll send you a ticket. So uh, I'd love to see people there because it's just a great, there's something about kind of immersing yourself in this understanding for a couple of days that has literally game-changing insights in people's lives. So people, I regularly get messages from people saying, hey, I attended this thing with you five years ago and here's what's happened in my life as a result. So uh, uh, it's because it's two days devoted to what you've already got going for you, just helping you catch a glimpse of that. Because once you catch a glimpse of it, it can open a door to things which you didn't even realize were possible. I mean, this conversation, the door that got open to that was just that insight about maybe maybe this could work for you too, even though you know everything, maybe it could work for you too. And a whole new trajectory of life opened up for me from that day. So that's what I want uh, to have happen for people is that whole new possibilities genuinely emerge for them and and also we're going to be looking at how do you share this with others and that sort of thing i love it i, I love that you're doing the event because this is one of the reasons i find retreat so aside from the fact i get a break from the kids for a little while it's it's that clearing down that clearing away creating space for mm. something else some new possibility so i just that's going to be a magical event for a bunch of people i'm just i'm so thankful yeah. for you being here and for everything that you're doing in this world, it's, it's wonderful, Jamie. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to see you both. And great to meet you, Ali, and great to work with you, Sam. Buddy, I, I was on a call last night with a couple of my amazing colleagues from, from the groups I'm with, with you. And I, I said, I can't believe how much my life has changed in the last two years. Like, there's so much love and light and clarity and joy. And, yeah, you know, it's it's such a gift. I'm so grateful that of all the places i could be i'm stood here right now with you two like what yeah, an incredible yeah. what a, what an amazing thing so um thanks man and um you know at some point we'll definitely call for you to come back on if you're up for it that would be amazing i'd definitely be up for it thanks guys awesome cheers dude